Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nathaniel Paul Thurston, and across from me is Mr. Charles Charlie Chuck Thompson. The How's it going today? Fattest libertarian. Chunk Thompson. That's Chunk, what we call him over Chunk here. Chunk Thompson. <laughs> it's Nate. That's right. Nate and Chunk. Yeah. <laughs> How was your week, man? It's Friday. We made it. Uh, we survived. I, mean, I ate more this week than I have the previous <laughs> weeks of my life, and so... I you just know. gave Costco a new nickname <laughs> he did. for you. Yeah. So I'm sure uh-huh. everyone's pumped about that. <laughs> well, uh, we did make it. It is Friday. It was a rather dumb week that we just survived. Uh, Charlie, you got big weekend plans. We skipped White Pill yeah. Wednesday. We did because yeah. of the kind of week it was. Yeah. It was just a dumb week. And we've actually got so many submissions and so many good things to talk about that I believe we'll have to count down some dumb things on Monday too. And I'm not even sure about making it through all the ones that are on the list. I'm going to Wiesen mm. on Saturday. Oktoberfest, huh? Oktoberfest, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. nice. Uh, here in Nashville. It's so. not because I knew you were going there. It's because I knew what you said. Yeah, because you speak German, yeah. you Nazi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was born with it. What are you going to do? <laughs> so anyhow, this is Dumb Leap of the Week. That's the day of the week what where we count down. What are you doing this weekend? Uh, nothing. Not until going. I watch the Cowboys lose to the 49ers on Sunday night. So I'll be and coming that, in with a bad attitude on Monday. That's at your house? Um, well, it depends. Okay. It might be easier just to do it at yours. You this just want to stay the night and current, then you're here? That would be way easier, actually. I have a Kapua suite. I might do that. I might actually stay here Sunday night so we can do Good. a show early Finally. Monday morning. Crap, I have... I got PT Monday morning. Mm. Doesn't help. So anyway, we'll we'll discuss this later. Let's on figure it out right now before the show <laughs> we'll continues. It later. I want to know now. It's Dumb Leap of the Week, Charlie. <laughs> That's the day where we go through all the Dumb Leap submissions. We got some great ones from this Twitter. show got real personal. It got really That's super personal. The, probably the most personal story we've told. The it's, Fed Haters Club is hanging out with us. They just listened to a Norm McDonald joke. I keep trying to interrupt know, as you're know. trying to I'm actually... doing the show. You're trying to not do the show. <laughs> and, uh, of course, my only stress coming into today was whether or not we'd have enough time... doing the show. ...to do all the stuff. Yeah. And so, luckily, we've made great use of our time. We listened to only one Norm McDonald joke... So th- with the with the group, so that was only a little over five minutes for for one joke. It was a fun time. We're going to go through all these. The live group's going to vote on what the dumbest thing is, and that will be this week's dumb leap of the week. Charlie, do you understand the rules? Uh, yes. Okay. But the points don't matter. The points do not matter. That they do not. But somebody so, gets a trophy at the end of the year. There will be a trophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoever so. submitted right now, I'm pretty sure I'm winning. Maybe Costco. It's kind of a kind of split. So. I will make sure it's a great trophy if I win. We all know Nina Turner's in the lead, though, as far as dumbest, dumbest things person, said this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so we got to have the Dumb Leap of the Year tournament bracket challenge at the end of the year mm-hmm. still. So anyhow, let's uh, get to number one. This is one that we talked about to start of the week, but we didn't get to talk about, you know, over the weekend or whatever when this stuff happened. And we got to mention it because it was dumb. And it was Jamal Bowman, congressman from New York, pulling the fire alarm because he thought it was a door handle or something like that, whatever the story is uh, right now. By accident. By accident, mistakenly, mm. as they were going to vote. Of course, other other things have happened in Congress since this happened. Uh, AOC was on State of the Union on CNN defending Jamal Bowman. Let's watch like 50 seconds of AOC. That's about all I can handle. 
So here we go. There was an interesting moment uh, over the weekend when your New York colleague, Congressman Jamal Bowman, and he's under investigation for this now after Capitol Police say he pulled a fire alarm mm -hmm. in one of the House office buildings. Democrats were trying to delay a vote, a final vote on the bill. Uh, there he is uh, pulling the fire alarm. He says it was an accident. He thought pulling the alarm would open a door uh, based on the fact that the doors to his right there were locked and there was a sign that he said he was, con I think someone said it was confusing. I'll be honest, it doesn't really make sense to me, his explanation. Have you talked to him? What's yeah. going on? There? I mean, listen, I think if you actually do see some of the photos of the signs, I think there's, there's something to be said about the government's about to shut down. There's a vote clock that's going down. The exits that are normally open in that building were suddenly closed. He, so you pulled a fire alarm? So I'm, I'm, what I am here to say is that House administration and U.S. Capitol Police and Jamal Bowman are inactive and he's fully participating in saying there was a misunderstanding. But what I do think is important to raise is, something is else. the fact that Republicans, <laughs> representatives like Nicole Maliotakis yeah. and others, immediately moved to file motions. To okay, so of That's course she goes out there to defend how this wasn't actually that crazy. Just Republicans. Republicans. Gotta mention. The, yeah. What's important to mention is Republicans. Now, she does bring up a good point, actually. She talks about um, Santos, the guy who we don't really know who he is or where he's from or what he's done in his life, uh, that no one no one has moved really to the Republicans haven't done a lot of work to try and knock him out of office, you know, but they did fire file a motion to uh, fire <laughs> fire alarms on the brain. Uh, they did file a motion to expel Bowman because of this uh, felony that, that he committed, but uh, not with Santos because they're all buddy-buddy. The truth is... They not, act like Bowman was like a slave <laughs> and has no idea he what has a no fire alarm. He's never been in the building this nice. Yeah, mm -mm. until he, now he's a you know congressman. I also love uh, people have, while we have AOC up on the screen, people have been like, oh, it wasn't even the actual Capitol building. It was the Cannon office building, which is separate from the Capitol. Yeah. That's also the building that AOC was in on January 6th. And she <laughs> thought she was about to get, you know, murdered. Mm -hmm. She cries when she talks about it. So it's not that separate yeah. from the Capitol if building. If only those people on Jan 6th <clears throat> would have pulled the fire alarm, they could have gotten away with it. I know. That's all they had to do. <laughs> that's a, Why go in there with all these people, your horns and stuff like that, taking stuff? You just pull the fire alarm. Problem solved. Just say that you thought it was a door handle the or whatever. doors would have opened. Okay. Uh, number one is going to be Jamal Bowman. Of course, he released a statement wanting to clear up any confusion. This was a misunderstanding. He sincerely thought that this was going to open the door, didn't realize the fire alarm was going to set off a fire alarm in mm. the building. It was a test. That's what actually. fire alarms do. He was yeah. wanting to check and see. Uh, he also, they, so there was some messaging sent out from him. He's now blaming it on his staff, uh, calling some of his critics Nazis, all right, which is something someone on the left would never do. And a funny part after this all happened, Bowman has disavowed the Nazi talking point and has said that it's not right to call people Nazis when they're not actual Nazis and that this has a specific name, a name, a meaning to it. He says, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the use of the term Nazi out of its precise definition which is a national socialist, I guess, it is important to specify the term Nazi to refer the members of the Nazi party and neo-Nazis. Nazi. Okay. I guess that's what we're going to do now. Of course, uh, Michael Knowles posted a screenshot of Jamal Bowman calling him a Nazi randomly over uh, something that they 
disagreed on. Anyway, we'll just, I'm just wanted to connect that because it was something that was thrown out as a submission and we're talking about Jamal Bowman right now. And Nancy's. Nancy's. Yeah. So that's all number one. Number two. It's my favorite way it's been said. Nancy's. Yeah. Is that um Inglorious Bastards? Yes. That one? Okay. Uh, I want to tell you why. He's, first time he says it, he's got that big knife. <laughs> I haven't seen that in a while. I need to watch that sometime, mm-hmm. actually. Um, kill him some Nancy's. Mehdi Hassan, the reason this made an actual number for me is because of how Mehdi Hassan is portrayed and how he portrays himself. Uh, this is the guy that's on MSNBC, and he is just the moral compass for all the truth in the world. And he goes out there and busts all these myths all the time. And he's the guy who's going to tell you what's right. And he, he always wants to put all the proper context around things. And that's really what he's known for doing. He's really great at debating. He's really great at gotcha type situations and making really good viral videos with people. And then he also throws out stuff like this, replying to someone who said that the biggest Republican advantage on the economy uh, is the economy. Uh, since 1991. It's the biggest Republican advantage on the economy since 1991. Sorry, i say it it that way. And they've been polling this question since 1951. Mehdi Hassan says, the Bidenomics stuff, despite being factually undeniably true, that's that this is the greatest economy ever in the history Mm. of mankind, is still not cutting through. Americans prefer the guy who left office with the worst jobs record since Herbert Hoover. And I know that that's not, we've talked about this so many times, I would have only thrown this in there because it was Mehdi Hassan who said it, who is a man who portrays himself in the way that I was just explaining. Like, this is a guy who cares about context and misinformation and the truth mm-hmm. and dispelling myths and things like that. And so one more time again, we'll just mention that Donald Trump, who neither one of us voted for in two elections, neither one of us voted for, Donald Trump had a great jobs record up until the point that there was a really big virus going around. And well, the virus is actually really small. It was. You couldn't even see it. It's microscopic. Yeah, so it wasn't even that big. <laughs> yeah. You're right. There, there was, was a, a lot of them. There was a <laughs> tiny virus going around. Yeah. Like the smallest virus that you'd ever seen. And a lot of, a bunch of them. One of the parts of its uh, DNA, or whatever you call it, it was that it shuts down economies. Yeah. Not just your system. It's not just your immune mm-hmm. system that can't handle it. It's also shipping jobs, j- jobs in general. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the reason that you can look at a non essential jobs, non essential, yeah. yeah, you kept like Walmart it, and it Amazon and stuff like essential, that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, people are shipping. They were very immune strange also. virus. It's, they're still studying it. It was really weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strange times for sure. The reason his job record ended up with a negative jobs created is because of all of those people who lost their jobs during the pandemic. If you go to February of 2020, the jobs record was actually pretty good. And now when you look at Biden's jobs record, which is now at 14 million jobs created, almost all of them are people who were employed before they were put out of work because of the government's response to the pandemic. And the rest is history. We all know the thing. Now they're, okay. now they're reemployed. Mainly, I just can't stand Mehdi Hassan. These like pompous, just I'm better than you and I'm the only arbiter of truth out there in the world type people who then come out here and still do what they, he, know, he knows what he's doing. That's, that's why it bothers me. Yeah. It's when he knows. He's not just being an idiot. He's not dumb. Okay, but he well, made dumb bleep. He did make dumb bleep. He's made dumb bleep a few times, actually. Mm-hmm. And we got a video right now and luckily for us and for everyone listening it's a video with president biden speaking 
And he is speaking. This is uh, brought to us from ProPublica. And they're talking about Elon Musk buying Twitter. And we're talking about in the context of misinformation and people getting their news. And, of course, he's super worried about people not getting the correct information mm. as as well. Let's just hear well, what... Well, he tried to start the Ministry of Tooth, Truth. Mm-hmm. And, and Tooth. Uh, sure. and, and Tooth. Mm-hmm. And they shot that down. You know? They did. The people who wanted to lie to everyone That's shot why that down. He's so worried about it. What about what Elon Musk has done to Twitter, uh, lowering guardrails against misinformation? Does that contribute to it? Yeah, it does. Look, one of the things, as I said to you, when I thought I wasn't going to run, I was going to write a book about the changes taking place. And most of it's directed over the years with these fundamental changes in society by changing technology. Mm-hmm. Gutenberg printing in the printing press changed the way Europeans could talk to one another all the way to today. Where where do people get their news? They 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 you know they go on the internet. They 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 they, they go online. They go, and you have no notion whether it's true or not. What about? I love that they have to put captions at the bottom of the video, um, you know, so you can tell what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So that that has to be there, of course. <clears throat> How do you know what the news is telling you is the truth? Because they. They would never lie. They the news wouldn't lie. Certified stamp of truth approval. Yeah, because they are the news, <laughs> I guess. And uh, maybe it's just because he's super old. You know, he was probably there when the Gutenberg Bible was printed, <laughs> and so that's why he goes all the way back to that. You know, it was like the 1540s or something like that. I don't that. remember when yeah. it was, but hey, that was a big, big moment yeah. in history. That that old that old pal Gutenberg. You know, he mm. really hooked us up. That's with when he. The, that's also when he first saw that gay couple and mm-hmm. and knew that and knew that that was love, love is love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same time. <laughs> yeah, he was in his dad's car, <laughs> and uh, so no, I don't like this idea that uh, you can only go to the news because what the news has been lying to us for years. We're all sitting here post being lied into wars and all sorts of stuff throughout the years, but of course they want to be able to control like almost all of it. They don't like the fact that you can go on there and post something that you just saw happen and people on X can go out there and see it. You know, that's but, like the government's worst enemy. It doesn't have to be approved. Yeah, that's yeah. the problem. Mm. And of course, it was fine when they had guardrails protecting the misinformation because the when people... The, when the administration was able to <laughs> yes. message Twitter mm-hmm. and say, hey, take this down. You know, like people saying that the vaccines might have side effects. You know, they used to have good guardrails to keep misinformation. There were even some people that said you could get COVID even if you were vaccinated and you could still spread it to people and you could still get it. And back when we had guardrails, Twitter would take down posts like that. Or they would they would get rid of people's there accounts. There were some you know? people even suggesting that this virus was somehow manufactured in a lab. In a lab? In Wuhan, I China, guess, which is xenophobic. Oh, yeah. It's it racist. Pure racism. And... You know, I mean, now it's probably the leading, you know, indicator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From, but that's coming from the news now, from the government. All those people back then, they were lying. Well, see, the news took their time to vet the resources, their mm-hmm. sources, and make sure that it was true. Mm-hmm. And so now they can talk about it. But just can you imagine, actually, this is, can you imagine if we went through COVID and we didn't have things like Twitter and Facebook and all that, and it was just CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and you know, ABC, CBS, all that. And that's it. That's the only place we got any information. We'd be like Australia. Yeah, true. I guess so. Okay. Wouldn't be able to leave the house. Now, as you can tell, we've kind of blown through some things because the back half, as usual, 
is uh, going to start to get filled up. Here's another one that we can we can blow through. Dumb bleep number four before we get in the weeds here. What are they responding to there, Chuck? From Axios, it said, The Biden administration announced another $9 billion in student loan forgiveness through its debt relief programs, bringing the total forgiveness to $127 billion for about 3.6 million borrowers. Good White God. White House quoted that and said, guess what? It also grows the economy, benefits everybody, hurts nobody. Hurts no one. Okay, so the, the idea they're throwing out here, listen, here's, here's the deal. When the government floats you some money to go to a school and you go to the school and you pay, you pay the school, you know, when they then cancel that and you don't have to pay back the money and you get to use your money on other things, that's how you grow the economy. And what they basically mean is when the government prints money and pays for things and you don't have to pay for it, well, then that's what grows the economy. And I tend to disagree with this idea just a little bit. Seems to be a little backwards from yeah. economics. I think we should just print all the money. Why even worry right. about like why even worry about paying people for Here's stuff anymore? Take the idea all the way to the end. If this works, why don't we just pay for everything? All of it. Yeah. We I don't mean, need to pay for anything. <clears throat> why is it just another nine billion? Why don't they just do another nine trillion? In fact, why do we even use money in the first place? Right. And stop using money. That would grow the economy. Mm -hmm. That's the best that way would to grow do it. The economy. It would. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know who thinks that that's what would grow the economy is dumb bleep number five. How about that? Socialist Party of Great Britain. We haven't talked about them in a while. Mm. There's a picture here. It says Tesco store now puts security tags on toilet rolls as shoplifting cases continue to soar. Is this a UK brand? And, I don't know. Andrix? Andrix, and I've never heard of Tesco either. Anyone mm. in the live group know what uh, Tesco is? <clears throat> Anyone ever heard of this? Yeah. Um, let me know. The socialist so you party. you use this on your dogs mm. or they just use a dog? I don't understand. They do have a dog up there on yeah, the picture. And then look, the recycle is a, is a, is paw, a paw print. What is this? I don't, hmm. This is just you for. You know, I have a, I have. Tesco had, is a Kroger. That's what Bailey says. Okay. Right. I have had. Andrex. I have, and I had a Great Dane. And you did have to wipe his butt every time he pooped. But we used Did you wet use wipes. Andrex? No, we used wet wipes. Well, you should have been using the Andrex. Or were you stealing it? That's the problem. They have these tags on there that's, where you can't steal their stuff. Yeah, that's why we had to switch to wet yeah. wipes now. They don't um, put the tags on those anymore. Andrex toilet rolls. I'm literally I'm just looking this up right now because I've never I've never heard of this brand hmm. before. It looks like a uh, anyway. They're ripping off someone's logo is what's bothering me. It looks like a different logo, like Charmin or something. Hmm. Doesn't it? I don't know. Anyhow, well, uh, the, quilted so the, with socialist, an air <laughs> the Socialist Party of Great Britain says capitalism in 2023. And so let me get this right. You not being able to steal stuff from the store is what capitalism has devolved into. It's, it's people, property owners, and people who paid for it. You know, the store, they got to pay for the toilet paper when they put it up there. Mm. And if you don't Unless give them anything, stealing it. yeah. And so now they don't want people to steal their stuff anymore. And that's what, ca that's what capitalism has now devolved into, I guess. Can someone get me the 411 on Andrex, please? It's really bothering me. Okay. I need to know where the company is from, where they started and what their main markets are. I'm sorry. I brought that up. Mm. It's, it's really bothering me. 
right probably now. Procter and Gamble. More than likely, it, yeah. if you were to guess. In fact, there's pro it probably said. I'm telling you, it's got to be owned by Charmin mm -hmm. since 1942. Apparently, on the on the thing. No, that's not what capitalism. I'm confused by the air pocket. Yeah, and it's it's trademarked by the way, so okay. no other toilet paper can have air pockets in it. Okay. And what does that do? I'm not sure. I'm trying to think of what air pockets would do. For your anus. It's an actual air pocket. I think it would just pop as you were using it. You know, like bubble wrap? You would think. When you use it, does it snap like bubble wrap? Uh, does that blow the smell away? <laughs> Listen, we're going to get to the bottom of this, and we will bring everyone an episode on what is going on with the air pockets inside of Andrex's unthievable toilet paper <laughs> unthievable okay that's what we need to know apparently it's popular because people are stealing i guess so it, you know that's what they're stealing listen i'm not even gonna get we don't have to talk anymore about this because i want to talk about shoplifting <laughs> some more <laughs> don't fall in uh, let's talk about shoplifting that's real quick great picture i know this is someone wow. getting <laughs> this is someone getting arrested at a walmart for shoplifting because of capitalism and uh this I've actually got words to say on this one. Don't worry. Here we go. Um, this is what happens when she was getting arrested for shoplifting by a, a police officer. Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> now, I don't know if you can tell Charlie, but her main argument is that Walmart is racist. Now, okay. was this spawned by any type of rhetoric? Exactly. That people are using yeah. <clears throat> online. At, I think at so. All? I think I think so. So I posted about this and it um it, it, it was a weird, it was a weird post, but by the way. If you can't tell, I want everybody to know, she's wearing hospital socks. <laughs> hospital socks? Oh, no-slip socks? Those yeah. are no-slip. You don't have to be in a hospital to have those. I mean... She probably just left. Racist. <laughs> Jeez. Char I just wanted people to know. Charlie's I racist saw, over I here. I saw that, and I was like, that is a hospital sock. So because she is getting arrested for shoplifting... The response is that Walmart is racist. She is black and she is getting arrested by a white police officer or security guard. Looks more like a police officer than me. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure which one. He's got a lot of stuff around his belt. You don't normally see a lot of that around a security guard's belt. But mm -hmm. anyhow, I'm not the expert on the subject. And uh, her She go forgot to mention capitalism is racist. <laughs> her go-to is that it's because she's black, essentially, that that's why she's getting arrested for this. And like, like what you just said, I think this stems from people being told, you tell, you tell a whole group of people that they're not responsible for anything, that everyone owes them something. And if you look at economics, you, you also tell them that all the money that corporations make is theft, that profit is theft. And greed. It, it's greed. They've got plenty of money, all, all of this. And so you decide you're going to go in and steal things. And when you get caught doing it, the response is, well, you're stopping me because I'm black, not because I was stealing something. And I think that's where we've made it. This is the adult 
equivalent of throwing a fit in Walmart whenever you don't get your toy. <laughs> and so every time she threw a fit in Walmart, no. I guess she got something and now she's getting arrested and now she's throwing a fit in Walmart and she just doesn't understand. I used to throw fits and I would get whatever I wanted. Does she keep saying the whole, same thing for the whole minute? Yes. Okay. I'm well, I'm, let's just check in. Let's check in at the 54 second mark. Oh, wait. Oh, it's something does change here. Somebody has a roll of toilet paper, by the way. <laughs> Is it oh, Andrex? I don't know. Okay. Let me see if there's one last one from the front. I want to get one last one from the front. I do not envy that police officer mm. i'll tell you that mm -mm. nope <laughs> nope okay that is uh bailey said it's her war cry <laughs> that's number it's number six i know that this is not uh, this doesn't speak for everyone in the world or anything but it did this clip did bother me because i do think that this is a symptom of all of the rhetoric that people have been told for so many years and that's why we talk about the things that we talk about, because it leads to stuff like this. I should be able to steal from you. I am entitled to all of this. You are stealing from me by making money off of things. Also, I'm black and all of you owe me something. And so therefore, this is mine and I shouldn't have to pay you for it. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the idea, the ideology behind what's happening. Yeah. Not that I'm blaming people like Nina Turner or. Robert Reich or whatever, you know, it's on, it's on her Walmart is racist lady to figure this out for herself. But, um, yeah, it's annoying for sure. Okay. And for just to pull the, yeah, to pull the race card, uh, you know, remember when crimes used to be crimes? I, I did. Yeah. Like you. Okay. Now we're coming up on a video that honestly should have been its own episode. You're wondering like, why is Nate just blasting through all of these dumb bleeps? Like they don't matter. Because this one from the IMF about inflation should probably be its own episode, uh, but we're going to watch it. They are explaining inflation to everyone. They, the International Monetary Fund wants you to know what inflation is. And uh, our, our buddy on, on Twitter, on X, who hits us up a lot, uh, Rue Sias, I, I believe is how I would say that. I don't know. Sorry for using, you know, full names. It's you know, on Twitter. Usernames. It's yeah. on X. Okay. Said, uh, my brothers in Christ, I'm so sorry for what I'm about to do to you. Too much demand and too much supply. Surely don't, surely don't believe of the week. Too much demand and too much supply. Mm. And that's why we have inflation. Uh, by the way, they never mentioned the money supply in the entire video uh, at all. So let's listen. Hi, I'm Sandy Lev from the IMF. And throughout this series, I'm going to be answering your questions about thorny economic issues, breaking them down, and giving you straight answers without all that fancy academic speak. Let's get started. Now, I'm going to cut in for a minute, ask an economist. Um, she starts off by saying, I'm going to be answering questions, giving you answers without all the fancy academic speak. And I understand that. That's what we try to do every day on the show. You know, we're way better than what we portray <laughs> to people. <Yeah. laughs> um, she's going to give you some, some easy answers. The problem is a lot of people believe that they're so much smarter than you 
And there's no way you would ever understand what any of the causes are, any of the words that they would say. Some people could even use that potential fact, because it could be true. They could use that to then misinform you on the problems, because they're assuming that they're talking to a bunch of ignorant people. And so they uh, they undereducate or, or don't educate you on economics whatsoever, if you go through all the way through high school and sometimes through college. And then the, these people at the top from the IMF are the ones that are going to teach you about they're dumb it down. Yeah, yeah, they're going to dumb it down for yeah. all you dummies. There's been a lot of talk about inflation around the world, but what is it really? And why is it happening? So what is inflation? Inflation is a broad-based increase in the price of things. First, when I say broad-based, I really mean that. Inflation is not about the price of broccoli going up versus spinach, because there's been some new diet fad that says that broccoli is better for you. It's about the prices of vegetables rising in general and about the prices of other things rising. Now for consumers like you and me, it's about a broad-based increase in the prices of things that we consume and pay for. So that includes things like groceries, gas, uh, subway passes. For businesses, it's about a broad-based increase in the prices of things that they pay for. So that includes the computers that we work with, or the electricity bill for the lights in this cafeteria. There's a second related point, which is that it's about the representative basket of things that consumers actually consume, on average across the entire population. So maybe subway pass prices are going up, but that's not gonna factor into countrywide inflation in a major way, unless most people in the country actually ride the subway. Now, the reason that we care about inflation is that it can lower people's living standards. When prices rise faster than wages, people are effectively getting poorer. A dollar that I have today is worth less than the dollar that I had last year. That makes me worse off. That's why we say that inflation yeah. is the worst tax on the poor. She so called it a tax? Why is it happening? A tax. Well, there's two big buckets of reasons. Oh. The first is when there's shortages in supply or slowdowns in supply. So let's think about coffee production since we're here in this cafe. Let's say that there's a bad harvest or a drought, which reduces the amount of coffee beans. However, everyone in the world, including myself, is still gonna have the same demand for those coffee beans. Love and that's gonna nudge mm -hmm. prices up. Or take COVID as an example. A lot of people were asked to stay home to avoid spreading the they virus. <laughs> In some cases, that led to a shutdown in ports or shipping terminals. Would you please do this supplies. or I'll kill you. Again, that nudged up prices. The other big bucket is on the demand side. So people demanding or wanting more goods and services than there are available. Sometimes economists call this an economy overheating or running hot. So what can governments do to ease it? Well, first, it depends on the source of inflation. But the broad idea is that governments want to bring down price increases to a manageable and stable level, both for businesses and consumers. Let's start with the demand side. So governments, through their central banks, can decrease demand by increasing interest rates. So whether you're buying a house um, and taking out a loan to do so, or if you're charging things to your credit card, 
Higher interest rates mean higher borrowing costs. And so those costs are gonna go up and that means less money to spend on other things. However, it also incentivizes saving. So a lot of savings accounts give you small interest payments when you put your money in the bank. Those interest payments are also gonna go up. Now on the other side, governments can also Get an extra cut penny. spending <laughs> or increase taxes. That's, that's and the broad idea is that there's less money savings accounts these around days? to spend things Pennies. on. Anyone? Pennies. Seriously? Yeah. I don't know. They do have some uh, high yield savings accounts now. That, yeah. That have decent. Yeah. Two, three, four percent. Really? I need to get, I don't, th I don't even <clears throat> think I get paid anything on the, on savings these days. I think like Ally has one. Wait, American you have to have Express. money in the savings account? Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Then you were going to make that percentage on that money mm, sitting there. Okay. Yeah. That's where I messed up. This, the whole savings, savings part. Yeah. yeah. You got to have money in there. Yeah. Um, let's see what she says about governments. Governments can also cut spending or increase taxes. And the broad idea is that there's less money sloshing around to spend things on. Now let's think about the supply side. It's a little bit trickier, but governments can still do something. In some cases, governments might have special reserves to lessen the damage. Think strategic oil reserves. But not all countries have these or they're not large enough to have an impact. The second thing governments can do in the longer term is create an environment that incentivizes businesses to produce more. So let's think about a competitive environment. So you want to avoid situations where you have just one or a few firms setting prices in one industry. So for example, let's say that we live in a small town and there's just one pizza place. That one pizza place All could right, charge so now us- she's talking about monopoly, pizza monopolies. Mm. You ever had to go to a pizza monopoly before? Yeah. Okay. So as you go through the rest of the video, what you'll find is what's never mentioned the entire time. And this is from the International Monetary Fund is Government's just printing money out of thin air and sending it into the economy. Or them just shutting down all of the production of goods and services in the economy. And so when well, you people ask, people like, were asked not to work. Yeah, they were asked. They were asked not to work at that yeah. time. Uh -huh. Yeah. And so the problem is, so like what Bailey just said, this video is probably being used by teachers in high school and professors in college. And that's one of the reasons that it that it bothers me so Although much. I am shocked she called inflation a tax. She did say tax. That, but that when you don't pinpoint the government as the source of the inflation, right. then it's okay to call it a tax because people most of the time will just say, well, it's just corporate greed, you know, creating inflation, price gouging, stuff like that. And that's a tax, not actual taxes that we have. And so for the International Monetary Fund to not mention when they when she's talking about the demand in the economy and people just wanting more of things. You know, you just want more of stuff to not mention like, oh, also you could uh, double the amount of money they have. Stimmy and, checks. Yeah. And maybe they uh, they'll want to buy a bunch of stuff or <clears throat> even even on top of that, not just that you want to buy more stuff. It's that you when you have more money, you'd be more willing to pay more money for things when you have more money in your bank account. Whereas maybe you would only pay a, uh, for a, a 60 cent cup of coffee at the gas station when you had X amount in your bank account, government gave you $1,500 and they're like, okay, well, I guess I could, I guess I'd be willing to pay more than that. I really want this coffee. I'll pay $1.50 for the coffee. I'll pay $5. Maybe it's Starbucks, something like that. Because you have more money and now you're, the whole calculus is thrown off in your head. So prices can rise at that time because it's all, it's all based on the amount of money people have and what they're willing to pay for things that they want. 
And so when you change that amount in people's bank accounts, the numbers artificially. Change. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's one of the dumb bleats. We have another slightly complicated one that we'll get to. And as I said at the be the beginning of the show, which we might have some time after this one, there's 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 so many things that are not in this that I actually wanted to put in this episode today. But there's an RFK Jr. Uh, clip here that we were asked but about. We were asked about by someone on TikTok last week, I think. And then it also we got tagged on Twitter for Dumb Bleep of the Week for this too. RFK has this plan that's going to fix, you know, housing is super expensive right now. And his plan, because interest rates are the problem with the uh, increased cost in housing right now, his plan is to fix housing interest rates at a much lower rate, less than half of what the current rates are right now. And they just jumped up to about eight and a half percent. And so his idea, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, his idea is that that extra money people are paying in interest, well, when you fix it back down to 3%, which is what he wants to do, well, any of that extra money that was being paid in interest, you just won't have to pay, and the house will be the same price as it was beforehand, and you'll just save all of that money, like a 1000 bucks a month mm -hmm. on, your, on your house. Demand won't change. Demand yeah. doesn't, no, nothing like that. And uh, he also pinpoints some important things in here, but let's, let's hear from it. By the way, I keep hearing, I've heard now on two big shows, um, breaking points with Crystal and Sager. And I was listening to Megan Kelly. Both of them mentioned that there is a chance that RFK Jr. is still going to run as a libertarian, that they, that, that they think that this is what he might do because they have ballot access mm. and that he might decide to run as a libertarian. The libertarians and, lost ballot access. I'm not sure if they, Fully, I'm not sure exactly what the status is. Maybe in some states they did, but it would still be, I think, better than his alternative uh, options. I would not be happy if this mm. if this happens at all. I'll just say I will. If that happens, I will continue. I'm not a member. I will find a way to take money away from the party at that time. Well, he'll he'll have to get the nominee, right? Yeah, he has. To, you have to go to the uh, convention, and the delegates have to vote to nominate you. But how many libertarians are going to? Gonna vote for. I kind of, I kind of think they would do it. Is I mean, the deal? Gary so, Johnson was the nominee, so oh, don't remind me. <laughs> and Bill Weld, Gary Johnson, you know, he's fine, but Bill Weld, Bill Weld, yeah. Okay, RFK. Here we go. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we're faced with a crossroads in life, and we don't really know which path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change, or feeling like your relationship needs. A little love. Whatever it is, therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find the way forward. I've done therapy in the past, and honestly, it helped me quite a lot. Changed my life. Made me who I am today. And our co-host, Charlie, he's still using BetterHelp to this day. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash GML today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash G-M-L. Thing is probably the most important issue in terms of building wealth in poor communities. If you have a house, you can get a loan and you can build a business. If you don't have a house, you have no access to capital. Two years ago, the average cost of a house... What? Is what? Hold on. What? Okay, I get it. I get what he's saying. If you have a house, 
then you can get a loan for a business. He's talking about people growing businesses. So and that's the only way what, that you, you use your get house access. as collateral. Like your, I guess so. Your equity is collateral. There's no way you can get any business loans without having a house. I just got my first house a year ago. Yeah. Like, but got a loan and bought a house. I've been renting mm-hmm. since then. And I've started several businesses. How'd they let you get that house? You didn't have a house. <laughs> you know? I don't know. How do you get any loans? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Weird. It was $215,000. Today is 400000 Why did the price of housing go up? Well, one, because of the inflation, because we spent $8 trillion on wars and $16 trillion on COVID, which we didn't have. So they print money, which caused the price of everything to go up. More importantly, there's three giant that. corporations. BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard, they also own 89% of the S&P 500. They've now decided to buy. Okay. I, I think RFK is probably a good do, but I don't like it when people do stuff like this. Um, BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street, he says they own 89% of the S&P 500. Now that sounds like they own all the, the S&P 500 to me. No. That's like they own stock in 89% of the companies that are included in the S&P 500. Well, they manage money yes. for everyone. But that's not them owning 89% Just of take the a look S&P at your 401k, by the way. Okay. It's <laughs> typically managed by one yeah. of these three companies. I've, we, we probably own a significant percentage of the S&P 500. Many of the people listening probably do. Now they got a lot of money out there. I get it. They're trillions and trillions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I just hate... He knows what he's doing right there. So that bothers me. Percent of the S&P 500. They've now decided to buy every single family home in America. If they stay on the current trajectory, they will own 60% of the homes in this country, single family homes by 2030. You all probably have heard of people who are about to buy a home and somebody comes in at the last minute with a cash offer and and snatches out of the market. Right. And it's usually an LLC with an ambiguous name. But if you trace that up, you'll find it's owned by BlackRock. And because they have a huge bank book, the cost of money and interest to them is tiny, which means they can outcompete your children. Your kids Mm -hmm. do not have a chance to buy that home because they can't outcompete BlackRock. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. One thing, I'm going to try to change the tax code to make it unprofitable for those companies to compete against your children for housing. Number two, I'm going to make a mortgage available. So I, I understand... Like that's, this is kind of a complicated, not exactly, but a little bit of a complicated libertarian conversation. I was having this with a friend the other day, like what a libert, what do we say about, you get a company like BlackRock and all these other ones that have so much more money and they pull together, they got so many trillions of dollars and like the house next to me just came up for sale, you know, and the company came in. Cause your neighbor died. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Sad. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the company came in and paid you know, immediately like upfront, you know, cash offers on stuff, you know, closing all, costs, closing costs yeah. all that stuff. And other people can't compete with that. And so now there's a rental house next to my house, which is basically worst case scenario. All right. Uh, so scariest environment. Imaginable. Yeah. And so I, I get it. And let's say that they set out to buy every single house that's available that ever comes available on the market. And then eventually those three companies own every house that there is that people didn't already own, you know, is that something like, do we say, is that a problem? Is there something wrong with that? Are they, is it unfair that they're able to actually arbitrarily increase the price of the houses because they have so much of their own capital 
to use to pay for it. You know, they're not worried about the interest rate because they have so much cash already. And so you're, you're at a disadvantage technically to the companies that have all this money. Is, why are, is this a market why failure? Why are so expensive? That's a good question. I mean, you think supply could be a problem? Probably. Maybe supply is a problem. Maybe for a long time we have rates that were way too low and we're pushing people to get houses when they shouldn't. And I think all the supply constraints are a major issue. Mm-hmm. Look at tariffs are a major. We got, we got a friend won't say his name. The cost of building his house went up like 30% from all the Trump tariffs, you know, like that, that's something people don't pay attention to. And that's a supply constraint also mm-hmm. when that happens. And the other thing I would say with these companies, if they fail, let's say you're running this company, Charlie, you're running BlackRock. Yeah. Sounds reasonable. Your company starts to fail. Do you ever think... Also sounds reasonable. Like, do you ever Do you ever think, well, there's no way the government's going to bail me out when I fail. If I fail, I fail. We lose everything. It's gone. Not if I'm BlackRock, no. No. So you know also that there's a... I'm best friends with Janet Yellen. There's a BlackRock back. We go to dinner every Tuesday. <laughs> and... So you know you the same that there's not one. much risk, really, because you could get a bailout if something bad happens. Mm-hmm. And so there's another bad incentive that we send out in the market for these big companies because it is dangerous to buy up like every house that there is. I, I agree. Caro could happen. That could happen. It would be bad. <laughs> to Americans at 3% interest. And I'm going to do that without raising the debt. And the way I'm going to do it, if you have a rich uncle who will co-sign your mortgage, you can get a very cheap mortgage because the bank is basing the interest rates on his credit score rather than yours. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to give everybody a rich uncle. I'm going to say Uncle Sam is going to co-sign this new class of mortgages and guarantee them at 3%. That will lower the cost of mortgages by $1,000 a month, and it will allow them to outcompete BlackRock. And I'm going to finance those mortgages by selling tax-free bonds on the open market. It won't be financed with federal tax dollars and contribute to this incredible debt that we have. And those will only be available to first-time home buyers who will live in that community, who will work in that community. Starting with teachers, because we need to create housing for teachers to keep the best teachers in our schools. So oh, that's yeah. one of the things I'll talk about. If you like this video... Okay. Yeah. It really that's- narrows it down. Like, not only is it going to be, you know, they're going to be your rich uncle... And uh, then they're going to narrow it down the first time home buyers. And they're going to narrow it down further to teachers. Mm. First time home buying teachers, teachers that don't have a rich uncle. And to live and work in that community. To live. You can't commute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's who this plan starts with. And then it's going to filter out. And then I'm sure he didn't make a phone call to the teachers union asking for support after that <laughs> video came out. <laughs> So basically, let me boil this down for you. He wants to take the government student loan plan and do it for houses. That's a, yeah. there you go. I'm going to fix the interest rates at a lower rate, and that's going to lower the cost for everyone. There's no way that the cost of the houses, you see, because the interest rate is a cost in buying the house. And that's, that's calculated. Like you're a guy about to ha- buy a house, and you see, well, this house is 500K, and um, I got to pay an 8% interest rate on that. And so you're like, I can't really do 500K with this 8%, but I could do 400K with the 8%. That's fine. You see, so that is actually talking down the price of the houses for you. The problem that we have is up against that 
is people still have all of this leftover pandemic stimmy check money. And uh, a lot of, a lot of people do, not everyone, but that extra money hasn't been sucked out of the economy yet. And so people are getting in it or they're just getting in bad deals and we're going to see another housing collapse come up. And so that interest rate actually talks down the price of the house. It's It lowers the price of a house that you could afford. All right. And that happens across the whole market. Because if you want to sell it, you have to get it to a price where people can actually afford to buy it. Yes. And so then you're selling the same thing, same 500K house. And someone says, well, we got a fixed interest rate here at 3%. And the guy's like, well, guess I can pay the 500K for that house. And so then the saving doesn't actually happen. You still end up paying like the same amount. Or it's you could afford like a $600,000 house. Yeah. And so <laughs> now the guy sells yeah. it for six hundred instead of five hundred. Exactly. And that's what actually ends up happening. Mm-hmm. And that's what ended up happening with student loans where anyone could get a student loan. And then the... Uh, that honestly, the interest rate on the student loan should be like 60, 70%, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yes, that would mean almost no one goes to college, and that's, yeah. a, and that's about right, and, honestly. And then the price of college would go way down. Then they would charge what it should really cost yep. to teach people something. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's why the cost of college continued to has continued to go up and up and up. And so he wants to do the same thing. And the fact that some libertarians still think that it could be a good idea for him to be a libertarian, it's not as much as it was when he first came out and he was just talking about COVID and vaccines and all that stuff. It's not, it's not as much, but some people still are. Uh, This is a terrible idea. And he wants to finance that by the way, with tax-free bonds. So you dump those out on the bond market, which is also in turmoil right now with crazy high rates because the government can't get anyone to buy our bonds. Mm -hmm. And so, because we need the bonds to finance our debt and we got to pay back other people's bonds that we sold to them later, you know, way beforehand, 30 years ago. And so they got to raise the it's interest rate It's a mouse chasing its tail. So if you're BlackRock, you can either say, well, I'm going to buy this house or I'm going to buy this government bond. They're offering 7% on this thing right now. Not seven, it's more like 10-year bonds, 4.7 or something like that. So which one of those am I going to do? And so the rates got to go up. Which, and- by the way, isn't covering inflation. <laughs> The rates got to go up, which is why the bond rate has to end up being up above whatever inflation is. And so when we have higher inflation, the bond rates are up because people are thinking, well, I got to make more money than inflation is going to cost me over that time. And so then the government has to pay more money to have debt to do all these wonderful things that they do for people all the time. You know, wonderful. And so let's just dump a bunch of trillions more in bonds out there to get people to fund when we can't even get people to buy the ones that we're trying to sell for the debt right well, now. These are tax free though. Yeah. Nate, that's that's the incentive right there. Okay, I don't remember what number That was nine. That was eight. Or sorry, eight, yes. That was number eight. I do believe we have a number nine, and I it's from some lady I've never heard of before. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce her name. Nina. Turner. Yeah. Lenina Turner. Lenina. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's Nina Turner. That's right. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. This is a uh, screenshot of an article, Charlie. What would you say this is? All right. The article um, says, the headline, Denver experimented with giving people $1,000 a month. It reduced homelessness and increased full-time employment, a study found. To which Nina posted the screenshot and said, the solution to poverty is money. Simple. So simple. It's simple. 
You just give people money. It's simple. I can't believe we haven't figured this out before. We should just print money and give it to people, and then there so won't be any more poverty. Simple. So there's a there's a lot of different ways we can tackle this one. She could um, have written that better, by the way. The solution to pro- poverty is simple. Mm-hmm. Money. It's money. Yeah. You but should write her tweets. I should. You should actually. call her up. Send her a message I, over there. You know, it must be nice to think this way. Mm-hmm. Though. You know? You, to walk around, you know, not a care in the world, probably. I bet she sleeps just fine at night. Look at that smile. She's got on her face. Mm-hmm. You know? Smug. Just walking around being like, oh, the solution to hunger is easy f- food. Mm-hmm. You just got to eat something. It's like one of those friends when you're trying to tell them about a problem. <laughs> and they're like, oh, just stop thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You should, it's simple. Yeah, you should just, stop that. Just stop thinking about it. Yeah. Oh, you're hungry? Yeah. You, should, you should eat something. You should eat some food. Yeah. That's what you should do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll just give you some food. So I went through this, by the way. Like, oh, you're tired? You just sleep more. It's it's simple. Solution to the problem. Why are, are we s- overthinking all of this Are you sad? Stuff? Have you tried being happy? Right. It's the opposite of sad. Mm-hmm. And it turns out if you're happy, then you're not sad. Yeah. And so what we need is more happy. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So in this study, Denver experimenting with giving people $1,000 a month. They also experimented with giving people a larger lump sum payment and then giving them like 50 bucks a month. It reduced homelessness and increased full-time employment. Now, this is one of those tests test markets. So how many people did they give a thousand dollars to? The answer is about 160. And actually I will just tell you some of the stuff. Um, when they talk about homeless people, now, when you imagine people who are homeless and fixing the homelessness problem, Charlie, what would you imagine? Like the, are these people that are, that are just house insecure? (laughs) They're home insecure. Yeah, that's what it is. They're not actually homeless. They're home insecure. By the way, they excluded from this category um, that these people could not have severe and unaddressed mental health or substance use needs. So no drug addicts and no one with any mental problems. Mm. And so they're not going after that category of homeless people, which is, I would argue, is a rather large part of the category of homeless people. And then experiencing homelessness as defined by the DBIP, they have an intentionally broad definition of homelessness. And so these people... Home insecurity. <laughs> yeah, these people could be living in a motel or a hotel, either one, a camping ground. They could be living in a camping ground due to lack of alternative accommodations, or they could be sharing a house with a friend or a loved one due to a loss, loss of housing or economic hardship or a similar reason. And then living in a car, a park or a public space, abandoned building, stuff like that. Then you get down to more people, but they can't be on drugs and they can't have any mental problems. Mm. So... Did they pick a rather uh, easy group of people to try and help? I kind of think that they did. 260 people is what they randomly assigned $1,000. They only got, I think, 154 people at, at the six-month checkup for this on the $1,000 a month thing. And by the way, of the, of the people in that group for $1,000, only 6% of them were homeless people, you know, like living outside on the streets. <laughs> Only 6% of them. Yeah. So like nine people mm. uh, were homeless, living on the street. Maybe not nine. It's not even nine. I don't know. It's seven people, eight, seven people were uh, people that were homeless, living on the street. Okay. But those seven people in that group are no longer living on the street at the six-month checkup mark, which is where we're at right now in this current study. 
And about a third of the whole group found some type of a place to live, like an apartment or a house, something like that. So like 50 people that they found after six months of giving them $1,000, mm. which I know immediately alarm bells went off. You can't get a place to live for $1,000. That's not possible. Mm -mm. What are you talking about? How did a third of the group in a major metropolitan city find a place to live for $1,000 a month when they weren't living there in the first place? I guess, I don't know. They rent in a closet? I'm not sure where they're staying right now because I heard you can't get anything for like less than 2500 you know? And when they found a place to live, did it, did it meet, did it have to be above the homelessness standards? I guess it can't be in a, you can't stay at like an extended, say, motel or anything. It's got to be renting a house yeah. or a, an apartment, you something like that. You couldn't move in with a friend and split rent, could you? Because that would qualify no, as homelessness. living with someone because of economic hardship qualifies as homelessness mm, in okay. this category, yeah. So first off, you can attack the study and say, okay, this is a very small group of people. And it was done with a donation, like a, I think it was a $2 million donation. And so it's, they're testing it out with a very low amount of people. And so, of course, on a very small scale, with a $2 million donation, not taxed away from the people's paychecks that also live in the same city as you, uh, when you give people $1,000 a month, and they're people who aren't on drugs, and they don't have mental problems, turns out they could then turn around and use that $1,000 to pay for some kind of rent. In an apartment, something like that. Magic, mm. okay? The, that does not, however, mean that you can do that on a large scale because then you would run into inflation. You got to take the money from somewhere. It's not all just going to be donated. So then you're giving everyone a thousand bucks a month and then everyone has a thousand more dollars to spend on something and then it's the summer of 2021 all over again. You know, mm. then you run back into inflation. You get... UBI or whatever. And so the solution is not all that simple, but individuals, I bet if you gave someone a thousand bucks a month, Charlie, and they were on the street and they weren't on drugs and they weren't, they didn't have any kind of mental problem going on. If you gave them a thousand bucks, they would probably take that and not live on the street anymore. But the idea that we can do this across the entire country is really dumb. Especially by the government, with the government. Yes. Yeah. Cause then they got to take people, they take money from people. Mm -hmm. you know, and then put it back in, in other people's pockets. Yeah. It's not going to work. Okay. It's not. Yeah. There's like 30 more dumbs for today uh, that we're going to just push off to Monday. I believe. I mean, we got stuff like uh, there's this clip of Lindsey Graham saying that if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than when we left Afghanistan. <laughs> And that if we there's, stop, there's not a war this man has like, not fallen in love with. Here's an honorable mention. Have you Lindsey asked uh, Donald Trump, your friend, to come out and publicly support more aid to Ukraine and to push some of these skeptical members of the Republican conference? I'll leave it up to him to what to do. But he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Well, Vladimir Putin has been praising him for yeah, his comments well, about Russia and Ukraine. Here's what I'll say about President Trump. He did not pull the plug on Afghanistan, even though he wanted to. The biggest mistake we've made since the war on terror is withdrawing from Afghanistan. To President Trump and anybody else, if we pull the plug on Ukraine, that's 10 times worse than Afghanistan. There goes Taiwan. To stop funding Ukraine is a death sentence for Taiwan. Putin will keep going. You missed all the world. Listen, Afghanistan leaving there was terrible. If we leave Ukraine where we supposedly don't have any troops 
there or anything. That's worse than when we lost thousands of people. Ten times in worse. Afghanistan. It's ten times worse than that. And as soon as we leave Ukraine, then that means China is going to invade Taiwan. Well, Putin's not going to stop. Because right now what's holding China back is our gl- glorious success in Ukraine that we're having right now. Mm. There's no way that China... Look at would... his nice flag there. Look he's at got, that. He's got an American Ukraine flag. Hmm. You ever wanted to see what a Nazi looked like in government? <laughs> That's the new Nazi symbol right there. There he is. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there's a great honorable mention for Lindsey Graham. There were other other good things, like a thing from Sonny Hostin today, uh, post by Robert Reich that was really good, I saw in the group, and several more that I sent back to myself with the tag Monday that I'm now going to type in Monday in my email and pull those things up for Monday. For Monday. So let's get through uh, what... Let's get through the votes. Let's say what the things were. Jamal Bowman and the fire fire alarm gate is number one. Uh, number two, Mehdi Hassan and the jobs. Number three, Biden and Musk information. Musk inf- misinformation, sorry. Number four, uh, the White House and canceling debt grows the economy. Number five, Socialist Party of Great Britain says this is capitalism in 2023. Six, Walmart is racist. I don't know if we allowed the video to play long enough for her to say that, but Walmart is racist lady. Number seven, IMF on inflation. Number eight, RFK on housing. Number nine, Nina Turner on poverty. And Nina Turner has announced her newest venture, and we might talk about that on Monday as well. That'll be nice. She started her own foundation, Mm. her own charitable organization. Yeah. All right, y'all, get your votes in. While you're voting, I'm going to tell you not to do anything. Mm -hmm. Like I have all week, I'm sticking to the plan. (laughs) I want you to not share the show. Don't leave us a rating and review. Don't visit our websites, joingmail.com or be part of the Fed Haters Club. In the group. I don't want you to do anything. I didn't see it. Uh. I'm looking at the... I don't want you to do anything. So... Don't do it. We yeah. want you to sit at home and not do anything this weekend. Yes. Okay. If you could, if you could somehow do that for don't us, don't even vote. No, don't vote. Yeah, don't even vote. <laughs> and that's all I got to say about that. That's all you have to say. Let's mm-hmm. get some votes. We're going to have to pull some votes. Someone's going to have to pull a vote and push it over to one of the others that are in the top two: Nina Turner or IMF on inflation. I guess I can be uh, right now here. I'll uh, I'll pick one. Mm. Also. See, I was going to pick the other one. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> Just uh, how we're tied again. <laughs> um, let's oh, see. someone's got to pull a vote. Anyone? Nine going a, to? Well, no, it was five to Someone four. Pulled it the other direction. Uh oh. <clears throat> okay. Oh um, no. What is happening? Technically, if I pull my there vote away right now, this oh. is a mess. Nope. Oh, see. This, I told them not to do anything. They're taking away. Know, now, now they're, they're, they're taking something. away the votes. I'm going to call it in five. Four, three, two, one and a half, one, zero. Oh, Lenina Turner. <laughs> Lenina <laughs> coming in with the win. Great She's job, won Nina. a lot this year. Man, that's so unfair. So proud of her. It's unfair. She's yeah. got dumb bleep inequality right now. Well, you know, she's got to win something. I know. Yeah, hmm. Everybody needs to win something. Okay. All right, y'all, like I said, don't do anything. And if you don't do anything, we'll be back again on Monday. (laughs) Until then, I hope you have a good day, a good weekend, and a horrible time for the rest of your life. (laughs) So gloomy. Talk on Monday. sad. Have a great weekend, folks. Good morning, Liberty. We love you. 
I had to stick with the theme yeah. you know, all week. 